Good morning, Liberty. Ah. <laughs> uh. You know, oh. you give somebody the power to control something, and they will do it. I know. <laughs> against your will, even even so. Well, welcome back, everybody. This is the Good Morning Liberty Podcast. It's so nice of you guys to be listening to our darling voices on this show. Uh, my name's Chuck. People call me Charlie. <laughs> and uh, Nate, how's it going over there and on your side of the world? That's pretty good. It's no over on your side, but it's not too bad. I like it. I like it. You're not I, in the captain's chair. We've got cameras working better today, by the way. It's about time, yeah. you know. That Thanks one day of delay was too much. That's that's like, I mean, that can completely destroy your program is having one day where the video is not working perfectly. It's like, you know, the, and it reminds me of the social network where they closed their bank account one day and they were mm-hmm. like, he freaks out because what if their server shut off? It's basically the same thing. Basically the yeah. same. Yeah. No, no have, difference. We have... Tens of millions of people counting on the show every single day. And so, <laughs> our, You know, the follows have gone up and up, and that's because you guys keep sharing the show, by the way, and we really, really appreciate that. You know, last week, or maybe it was the week before, we announced that we had hit 10,000 followers, and already uh, today we should be moving over 11,000 followers. So that's it's like in a week. Yeah, that's it's really cool. And uh, that's just because you guys keep sharing the show. And we really, really appreciate that you guys are doing that. Well, they're actually doing two things for us. They're sharing the show, which is very nice and lovely of them. The second yeah. thing that they're doing that we ask you guys to do every single time, which is probably annoying to the people that listen every single day, is subscribe to the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's important for all the new listeners out there. If it's your first time listening to the Good Morning Liberty podcast, you're going to want to subscribe because we're coming at you hot every single day. <laughs> and uh, hit that subscribe button on your iPhone. It's a purple button. I know that because I have an iPhone. Yeah. Spotify is uh, a green follow button. So go hit that. We're running a discount from now until about three minutes from now. Uh, if you hit that subscribe button, it's free. Yeah. There Our you show go. is free and it'll pop right into your phone. Go ahead and get it. And if you're watching live, get on your podcast app on whatever phone it is you're using and subscribe to this podcast because we put out a new episode every single day talking about news items that we are about to hit right now. We need to say a couple words about Chick-fil-A real quick, which we had to, we were going to talk about yesterday. Um, but I wanted to go ahead and mention something because I did write up a really long article uh, about the decision that Chick-fil-A had made to cease their donations to the Salvation Army uh, because of their anti-LGBT stance. And I, I wanted to talk a little bit about that because I don't agree with their, I, I don't like their decision to do this, first off. Well, I wanted to remind people that we talked about Salvation Army and this whole LGBTQ thing uh, last week. When we were talking about Ellie Goulding. That's right. So yeah. if you go back, uh, listen to the episode, I believe we did last Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, early part in the week last week. Yeah. Go back and watch the video or download the podcast if you haven't already. Uh, in fact, you should go back and listen to at least the last five episodes to, to catch you guys up to speed with where we're at. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important. So go back and listen to that last episode. Uh, so stop what you're doing and go back and listen to the last one. Unless you're watching it live, then we're going to cover that. And then you can go back and listen to our coverage of the Salvation Army and the LGBTQ community. Uh, the Salvation Army was accused of a few things. And yeah. then now all of a sudden we have 
a crazy Chick-fil-A response, which is just going to completely backfire. Yeah, it is. And that's why I wrote up the article, because we do write a lot of articles about business and economics and things like that. You know, this whole the whole thing that happened with Chick-fil-A, this is spanning almost 10 years now, from about the time that I moved to Nashville. It's been like maybe eight years or so since it first came out that their, uh, their owner <coughs> was donating to some... Uh, you know, tr- the, some charities that supported traditional marriage. We'll just say it that way. Not necessarily they were pr- they were actively anti-LGBT, but they were in support of traditional marriage. Now, what I have to get out of the way to start with is I don't care about who gets married. Um, I, I think that it is uh, anyone's right to enter into a contract with another individual. I don't think that the government has any place in saying who can or cannot enter into a contract. And on the religious aspect of marriage, that should be left up to your church and your religion and God. And it's not necessarily for who is in office to decide on that. And it's not for you to enforce your religion on other people either. If for some reason the marriage is not truly recognized by God or something like that, pretty sure God's going to be able to make that call. It's not necessarily for you to do. And, and so you don't have to force the legislators hand. You don't have hand. to force that. So I by the way I can completely concur with all of that. Yeah. It's I, just I would even go so far as to say and I would just want to be a little controversial controversial here. Yeah. That even if you were to enter into a contract with multiple people, it's fine. Well, just that's what it is. It's legally, a contract. It's legally a the legal government contract. The government should not have any say in that whatsoever. But I will say, according to the psychological research, it's best for children to have two parents. Yes, that's that's what's best for the family. Not three or four. The, fi- the family di- dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's just based on the the psychological research. That's that has nothing to do with any personal beliefs or anything yeah. like that. But I believe people can enter into what other, whatever voluntary contract you want to enter into. That's up to you. Yeah. That's up to you and God. So all that out of the way, we have to talk about how, at least from my point of view, I do not support Chick-fil-A's decision to change their stance on this. And uh, the problem with that is from a business aspect, because what you saw over the last decade was Chick-fil-A just blew up. They were ex- they were expanding massively. They they tripled their sales over the time. They also became the third highest revenue per store in the fast food industry. It goes they- McDonald's, Starbucks, and then Chick-fil-A, and they're only open 6 days a week. Right. <laughs> so if you actually had a 7th day of the week, they would they would easily overtake Starbucks at that at that point they're in time. They're missing 52 days worth of revenue. Yeah. So it's it, it was, regardless of your personal feelings on it, um, this ended up benefiting them a lot. You know, their chicken's good. They've got really good food. They've got great service. They've got nice, kind, polite people that work there. Uh, but this is not necessarily something that was hurting them at all. So I, I wanted to read, this is Glad's response to what Chick-fil-A did. Because remember, Chick-fil-A... They're trying to expand around the world. They're trying to open new stores, and they're getting a lot of pushback from people because of their anti-LGBT stance. So they're, they were getting a lot of 
pushback. They tried to open that store in the in United a, Kingdom. In the United Kingdom, they announced a week later that they were closing it. Yeah. So they're trying to find a way to make more money. That's what they're trying to do. Now, what is Glad again? Um, let me find what all that What's stands that? for. I in forgot here. the acronym for Glad. Uh, it'll, it's going to be here in this article somewhere for sure. Oh, okay. Let me let me get through that. So. So remember, they're doing this to appease those people. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get all of this hate off of them. And we have to see whether or not that's actually going to work and whether or not it's going to work out in their favor. So on Monday, and this is from Daily Wire. Thanks, Ben. On Monday, the Daily Wire reported on beloved fast food chain Chick-fil-A putting a stop to their donations to Christian-based charities deemed anti-LGBT by the left. In an interview with, uh, let's see, BizNow, I don't know that is, Chick-fil-A president and chief operating officer, uh, Tim T, announced <laughs> that the famous fried chicken chain plans to make significant changes in which charities it donates to, in part because as we go into new markets, we need to be clear about who we are. Amid continued boycotts of the highly popular and successful chain over its donations to supposed anti-LGBT groups and causes, uh, their CEO revealed that the company's foundation will no longer donate to some high-profile Christian organizations. As one might have predicted, the move was not enough to quell the backlash from activist groups on the left the company was apparently attempting to appease. Powerful LGBT agenda lobby GLAD quickly posted a statement condemning Chick-fil-A for allegedly still being anti-LGBT. So this is from GLAD. It said, if Chick-fil-A is serious about their pledge to stop holding hands with diverse anti-LGBTQ activists, then further transparency is needed regarding their deep ties to organizations like Focus on the Family, which exists purely to harm LGBTQ people and families. Uh, Chick-fil-A investors, employees, and customers can greet today's announcements with cautious optimism, their statement continued, but should remember that similar press statements were previously proven to be empty. In addition to refraining from financially supporting anti-LGBTQ uh, organizations, Chick-fil-A still lacks policies to ensure safe workplaces for LGBTQ employees and should unequivocally speak out against the anti-LGBTQ reputation that their brand represents so not only you know everyone was upset because they were donating to this to these people right and so they say here's what we're going to do we're going to stop donating to, to to these people and then so the activist groups come out and say well not only do you need to do that you need to speak out against those anti-LGBTQ people. That's not enough. That's not enough to not be donating. Now you need to speak out against those people. We need your voice and your money <laughs> yeah. behind our movement. And so the the point here is this is not going to help them because it's not like all of a sudden the LGBTQ activist groups are going to be like, oh, hey, guys, it's totally cool to go eat fried chicken at Chick-fil-A. It's really good stuff. And they totally love gay people. That's not what's going to happen here at all. They're still going to say, well... Sure, they're uh, as a business, they're not going to be donating to the Salvation Army, but their owner, he still makes donations, or some of their employees, their CEO personally makes donations, or yeah, they don't make these uh, donations to uh, Salvation Army, but they don't speak out against the Salvation Army, so that's not enough. And so they're, it's not like they're just going to gain all all kinds of love and respect from those people all of a sudden now. I love how they say in their statement, Glad says, organizations like Focus on the Family, which exists purely to harm LGBTQ people it's and families. It's the only thing it's, that they do. 
It's yeah. like, uh, well, first of all, focus on the family, which um, they have a stance against gay marriage, and it's because their belief is in the traditional family unit. It's called focus on the family. Yeah. And it is a, a, a Christian sense of the family tradition, the unity of a mother and a father with children. And so their beliefs are different. They, they don't believe that um, two men or two women or whatever could, could have a family. Now, I'm not saying that that's right, but that doesn't mean that they want to harm. Like, what's harm? Yeah. You know, like physical harm, financial harm. Like, how are they harming emotionally? Probably people by having different beliefs. So when that's this is where I don't understand the whole tolerance thing, because it's like, look, well, a couple things I want to say about this. I don't understand tolerance out of groups like GLAB because they don't have any. Yeah. It's like if you don't agree with what we're saying, then you're wrong. Yeah. And you're hate. You are the epitome of hate, which builds resentment and leads to violence. It always does. And this is what one of the problems with the extreme left is. There is no tolerance for any other beliefs. It's believe what I believe or go to hell, basically. The second thing that I want to say is Chick-fil-A is dumb by trying to please everyone because you're not going to please everyone. No. And you might as well write things off in your life in your own personal life well they you also, can't please everyone they need to realize why they became so popular you know that uh, like i said they have good food but this was good for their business now i'm not saying i personally agree with their stance on i don't all even of this, think that honestly what i but, think is is more so that if they just focus on what they do best which is provide great service in a decent chicken sandwich and quick and you know quick service and they just do that then they wouldn't have really any problems yeah yeah you know i i I agree i I agree with you like no one's protesting mcdonald's does mcdonald's (laughs) actively speak for lgbtq people i I don't know i don't they don't speak against them and they don't speak for them i haven't heard anything Um, no one's protesting mcdonald's yet most people on the left still hate mcdonald's also (laughs) so (laughs) it's uh and because they're employing robots now (laughs) i guess i don't know just because they don't pay they don't pay fair money i guess but you know where i think this is going to hurt them is a lot of their fan base was a a religious following pun intended everything there it was religious people and they were religious patrons of chick-fil-a one because they're closed on sunday which everyone respects you're willing to make less money out of out of uh taking you know the sabbath off and on top of that they were willing to stand up for something that they believed in and i think this is something that has really made a lot of people consider them as a first option when they're going to have fast food like oh i'm looking down if i'm looking down sam ridley parkway right now and i have all these restaurants out there in front of me um I, I don't really, you know, I don't really want fast food. I'm trying to decide what I'm going to pick. Well, hey, there's Chick-fil-A and they put themselves out there, you know, free speech. They're taking a chance. They're, you know, they're out there standing up for some of their traditional Christian beliefs or whatever. I guess I'll go over there and support them. And I think that's something that's been in the back of people's minds for like a decade now is that, you know, you just need that one extra little push to get you to pick one place over another. And that's what Chick-fil-A has had with a lot of people, because still like 60% of the country is Christian. 
And uh, a lot of them still believe in traditional marriage, or they at least uh, go to church on Sundays, things like that. So when you have a place like Chick-fil-A that is, you know, speaking out for some of the beliefs that maybe you have um, and doing all these things, trying to be proactive religiously, you just end up deciding to pick them over other places. And I think I've even heard it called Jesus's chicken. I know. I know. (laughs) And I think they're going to they're gonna lose that. And that's just a little extra marketing thing that they have. When you've got a Popeye's and a KFC and a Chick-fil-A and a Zaxby's, and they're all right next to each other, the line is down the block at Chick-fil-A. And what is it that makes you still decide that you want to go to Chick-fil-A other than those other places? Because Zaxby's has really good chicken. They've got good sauce. Popeye's has got good chicken. By the way, I heard Popeye's new chicken sandwich is bomb. Yeah. I've yet to try it still. Is it a Jesus chicken sandwich? I don't know. Maybe it's the <laughs> face of God. Like I said, like, <laughs> when you take a bite. And this, you know, my stance on this has nothing to do with agreeing with what they're taking a stand for. Because like I said, I don't, I do not think that, I don't think that gay marriage should be illegal. I think that that should be free for everyone to do. But as a on a business and economic standpoint, I think this was a terrible decision. Well, because they're going so so in essence, they're going to alienate their base. Yeah. Um, by making this uh, by making a decision like this, and then at the same time, they're not going to pull in the you know the group that they want to pull in. Well, it'd be like imagine, but there's still plenty of I you know I don't know many LGBTQ people that don't eat at Chick Fil A. Yeah, no. a lot of them are like, well, who cares? I don't believe, I don't agree with them, but yeah. it's a chicken sandwich. It's, yeah, it's good chicken. It's fine. I like. It. I'll eat it. Um, so I don't know many people that do like that wouldn't eat there. Now, of course, this whole UK protest thing was a big deal, but I think did they come out and say they were no no longer going to donate to the Salvation Army? Yeah, which it we talked about this last week is just ridiculous. Yeah, I know because the Salvation Army probably supports more LGBTQ people than any yeah. other. Nonprofit organization. They don't with their have homelessness. Any, they don't have. They don't have a test. They don't have a test. They don't ask ask you what your sexuality is before they help you when you're homeless or no, anything. What's your ID? And that's let what, me give you a marking that says that you're trans. You're no longer allowed in our facilities. So the Salvation Army it's put ridiculous. out a statement on this. Um, they put out a statement after Chick Fil A announced this, and they said, uh, "We." We help people uh, regardless of who they are, and we've helped more people on the the uh, the side of homelessness and hunger than any other charitable organization in the world. And they said, because of that, we believe we have helped more LGBTQ people than any other organization that there is out there in the world. And that's probably true. It's probably true. So it's a, you know, they've helped something like, it's like close to 30 million people or something like that. And they don't, they're not asking you uh, whether or not you're gay before they decide to take you in. So they're saying we've helped more people. We've helped more LGBTQ people than any, than anyone else that not, there is. They don't have greeters at their doors like, uh, uh hi, Nate. Yeah. Um, I see that you're homeless tonight and you need a delicious meal and. We have all those things, but uh, first I need to know, are you bisexual? (laughs) Are you gay, trans? (laughs) Do you fall into the LGBTQ community? Because if you do, then no food for you. Get out. Get out of here. Get out of here. No, that's that's not what they do. They don't have signs that say that. They don't have people that say (laughs) that. It's just an organization that helps people. It doesn't matter what your race, ethnicity, 
if you're gender fluid or whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You're in need and they, they help people who are in need. And so for Chick-fil-A to decide not to donate to an organization like that, I mean, to me, that's just, uh, how are, it's so crazy to me how this little meme on Twitter that got shared to Facebook and all these places that said Chick-fil-A was tied to this and the Salvation Army doesn't do this and people basically making things up yeah, has spun all of this out of control. I know. Out of control. And it it honestly doesn't make sense. I mean, who who made this decision? This the COO, chief operating officer, Tim, you didn't say his name, but I'll I'll Tasso Tasopolis. <laughs> Tasopolis. Tasopolis. <laughs> the reason I didn't read it is because I have my my uh podcast notes were zoomed out really far and i couldn't read it from here oh. <laughs> enough to pick out what the different letters were it's so like I, george stepanopoulos yeah to to sopolis, to sopolis. Yeah. Um, so tim you're an idiot man just <laughs> i know you listen to the show you're a buffoon this this is ridiculous this would be like trump's campaign advisor coming out and saying you know what you need to do to win the election you need to completely deny all republicans talk about how terrible they are you need to make sure that you start supporting all the democratic groups and then you'll be able to win the election right like is that going to happen or democrat would at that point in time if trump came out and said that we needed open borders and said that we needed to tax the rich you think to try to pull in people from the left to try to pull people from the left you think he's going to win the election because of that no no he'll lose his base which is what got him elected and the democrats are still going to hate him so but Although, because of his past grievances because what do we do for fun in this country we dig up things that you did 20 years ago although, that's what we do although this is kind of funny but Maybe not because it doesn't, I don't think it matters what kind of stance Trump has. I don't, I'm not sure he's going to lose his base. No, no. I, he might, he could come in tomorrow and be like, yeah, I believe in Medicare for all. And his base will be like, yeah, yeah, didn't, yeah I think that's yeah, a good we idea. We'll make, all. we'll make it work as long as Trump's doing it. <laughs> so we'll talk. And we about, have an example of uh, yeah. why that could be the case. Didn't, by the he, way. didn't he actually say something to the effect of he could shoot someone in the middle of uh, on uh, on Park, Fifth, Avenue Fifth Avenue in New York, yeah, and, and that his base what, would still love him and vote and for him. He's exactly right. Yeah, he 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 knows. He knows. So, okay, so let's shift over to this idea now. Um, do you want to do this article? Yeah. Okay. So, um, spending. This comes out of the Conservative Review, by the way. Spending for the first two and a half years of Trump's admin is thirteen percent higher than the same period under Obama. So Obama's first two and a half years. Trump's first two and a half years spending is up 13%, which by the way, 13% is a giant deal when we're talking about trillions of dollars. So don't think 13% is a small number. All right. So let's go back to Obama's years uh, from the article. It shocked the nation and spawned an entire political movement that led to a shift in the political balance. Spending during Obama's first few years in office was at a level never seen previously in our nation's history, except during the height of World War II. It provoked the Tea Party counter movement as, quote, stop spending bumper stickers popped up, propped up across the nation. Fast forward eight years later and under Trump and Republicans, spending is now even higher with a much healthier economy and job market. During the first 33 full months of the Trump administration, from February 2017 through October of 2019, the federal government has spent roughly $11.762 trillion 
according to tabulations of monthly state statements from the Treasury Department. If you flash back to the equivalent 33-month period during the beginning of Obama's first term, from February 2009 to October of 2011, spending was approximately $10.3 trillion. That was a period of all the bank bailouts and the stimulus. That was a period where we saw the expansion of welfare and unemployment benefits. Yet today, outlays are 13.2% higher than the infamous spending bench. And Epstein didn't kill himself. So this is completely ridiculous and hypocritical of, of Republicans, I think. And this is where I get really mad with people on our page. Yeah. I get upset with, with people who don't have a principled or, or, or a, um, an economic understanding where basically Trump can do no wrong. They're just Trump supporters and they don't really have any conservative values or Liberty values. It's whatever Trump says goes. And, and, when Obama was president and all the spending was taking place, like like the article said, there were stop spending bumper stickers popping up. The whole Tea yeah. Party movement was was rallied around stopping Obama and his administration from putting us into this massive debt. And here we are running record deficits under the Trump administration, which, by the way, I know it's Congress's job to control the purse, but he still signs all the bills. Yeah. So if he actually cared about the spending, he would veto them. Yeah. But he doesn't. All he has to do is say, I'm not going to sign a budget that is not balanced. Right. That's all he has to say. Now, if Congress overrides that veto, then we can blame Congress, which, by the way, we need to vote out most of Congress anyway. Yeah. Because they're all absolutely incompetent. Like 95% of them, I would In say. fact, Elizabeth Warren hasn't even showed up for 70% of the votes. She's missed 70% of the votes in the Senate. Yeah. Because she's, she's running for president. She's representing her people. Yeah. <laughs> which, by the way, she was reelected in 2018 for a six-year term and then decided literally the day after she won re-election yeah. to go on the campaign trail and not show up for 70% of her job. I haven't looked at now, the numbers, by the way, on that on that point. I know during the 2016 election, I know Bernie and some of those people were missing tons of votes. Marco Rubio was missing all of his votes. Um, Bernie's but, missing a bunch, too, right now. Um, but Rand Paul, during the 2016 election, had missed two votes. Yeah. So he still, he was campaigning, but he still... He still flew back and made to, his roll call to vote on every single thing except for two votes, which is what you should time. do. Yeah. Now, Nate, ask yourself if you are making, which I know you're probably making way more than this now, yeah. but if you were making $174,000 a year as an elective representative to represent your state, you think, or, or actually, I'm sorry, not that if you were getting paid $174,000 a year for any other job in the world, could you not show up for your job? 70% of the time and still receive your full salary and benefits. Um, only if I were working for the government, that, that would be it. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I know I kind of went off on the side tangent there, but um, you know, you have the federal government, the central government spending more money than it's ever spent in the history of the United States. We have a, uh, a pretty decent market and a pretty decent job growth, a job market. Although, we may get to, we need to do an episode on this anyway, but it, the market's going to crash one day. Oh yeah. Soon. Um, and we'll do an episode on that. But, uh, for right now, the market, the economy is pretty healthy in the job market. Well, I say healthy with an asterisk. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it appears healthy right now. Yeah. And the job market is good. Unlike when Obama, his first three, 33 months, the economy was in the tank. It was, we were in the middle of the great recession. Yeah. And so you could say maybe his spending was justified to try to, you know, 
spark up the economy, even though it wasn't, because it's a really bad idea to do what he did. But it's also a bad idea to do what Trump's doing and it his is. administration is doing and signing these bills in Congress and the Senate. They're doing an unbelievably terrible job. Now, look, a lot of people say, oh, well, debt doesn't matter. I saw this article the other day where if you look at the world's debt, it's like 60 trillion combined debt. <clears throat> And all of these countries, it's like everybody just owes everybody, I guess. You yeah. know, China, Russia, Canada, United States, everybody's in debt. It's like, how are we operating on this? Well, look, one day it's all going to come crashing down. That's yeah. what happens with debt is eventually the bill's going to come due. And so maybe maybe we won't see it in our lifetimes, but which I think we will. Yeah. But definitely our kids or or our grandkids at least. And so is that... If we actually care about people, is it right to pass off that bill to someone else? No. We, we can just live high on the hog and spend record amounts of money to get whatever we want right now and off the backs of our children and our grandchildren. It's the equivalent of your parents living their entire lives off of credit cards the whole time that they knew you were going to have to pay after they died. Yeah. That's what we're doing right now. So when they die, the bill still comes due, by the way. Yeah, the, the bill's still there. Um, it's not going to get paid off by any kind of life insurance or anything like that, like maybe your credit card bill. What you're doing, what everyone is doing, is running up a credit card that is going to have to be paid off at some point in time, and they're leaving it for their kids and their grandkids to pay off. And the problem is, we've always said that Democrats were guilty of this for sure. They definitely want to tax and spend an immense amount of money. But we also have to be principled when we talk about this and realize that the Republicans are doing the same thing. Trump needs to come out and say that he is not going to sign a budget that is not balanced. He's not going to sign a budget that does not decrease the deficit and then eventually balances. He needs to come out and say that and then they and then threaten you know government's going to shut down or something like that good do it it needs to shut down they you cannot just continue putting my kids in debt for the things that you want to live off of right now which is what people are doing they're saying i don't want to have a harder life so i'm going to make my kids pay for it i paid into this system even though i'm taking out three times more than i ever paid in and i'm going to make my kids pay for the balance of the debt that's what i'm going to do that's what everyone's doing right now and everyone's got to realize that it's going to be, there's going to be some hard times because you're living off of money that doesn't exist. That goes for the, our parents' generation, our grandparents' generation. It goes for our generation. We're living off of money that does not exist. It's, it's debt. And it is debt that someone's going to pay off at some point in time. Even if you paid into Medicare, the average Medicare recipient takes out three times more money than they ever paid in. So this whole, oh, I paid into it, so you can't say I can't have it. If you were only going to take out the money that you paid into it, you you would only be getting a third of the money that you're taking back out of it right now. So the, the I paid into it argument does not work for any of this stuff mm -mm. at all. So, and we have another article that leads into this, by well, the way. Well, and we've done, so people are like, well, what's going to happen? Well, we've done a presentation on what happens because there's two ways to get rid of debt. Uh, if you're a country, two ways to do it. One, you raise taxes, you lower spending and you pay down the debt. That's what you do. Yeah. The second option is yeah. you can inflate the debt, the debt away, which means that 
you increase the money supply into the economy and you pay down your debt with the increased cash. But what that does is it causes inflation to skyrocket so much so that places like in the Weimar Republic and in the, uh, in the Soviet Union, Venezuela, Venezuela, current day Venezuela, what they've done is the inflation rate is so high that it takes you millions of dollars of cash to buy toothpaste yeah, or a cup of coffee. And so your $50,000 a year salary or $100,000 a year salary or $500,000 a year salary means nothing anymore. In three years in the Weimar Republic, the inflation rate was 64 billion percent in yeah. three years. That's what they had to do. Imagine your gas going up 64 billion percent. Yeah. You wouldn't go anywhere. You, you'd have to take a wheelbarrow of cash to the store to buy a mm -hmm. sandwich if you wanted to. When you were in a coffee shop, the the price of your coffee, if you sat there to drink it, would increase by upwards of 40% in the time it took you to drink the cup of coffee while you were in there. This is all real stuff that's actually happened. And just pretending like we can just keep taking out debt and creating fake currency this entire time that has nothing backing it whatsoever except for more debt and more IOUs is... You're just living in a in a fool's paradise right now, and someday it's going to come back and and hit you right in the face. Fool's paradise. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. It's, that's no paradise at all. No, only if you're a fool. We're going to pay for it. Yeah. We're going to pay for this if we don't get it under control. Okay, so uh, leading into this, and we can keep having this conversation now because this is what we're talking about. This story from fee.org really good. We love fee.org. Thank you for making all of your articles republishable by anyone who wants to republish them. We, we greatly appreciate that. Entitlement liabilities are a graver threat to the next generation of Americans than climate change. Okay. Now, first off on its head, people don't like that. People do not like that article headline because it says entitlement liabilities. And then it talks about social security and Medicare for the rest of the article. We have an issue with um, denying what the definition of an entitlement is. We've got this new definition where you, you know, I think I'm entitled to you providing me with something. Like mm -hmm. that's, a, that's entitled. You know, like those guys said yesterday, I'm an entitled white boy. So um, we have this, this kind of backwards idea of what entitled means. Entitled means that you are actually owed something. Like literally you... Uh, gave something and you're entitled to something in return. So when we say entitlements and then we talk about Social Security and Medicare, those are actual entitlements, actual entitlements where you paid into something and you are owed something in return. So saying that, oh, you, those aren't entitlements, I paid into those. <laughs> that makes no sense. Like, they are entitlements. You did pay into them. That's literally what it means. So that this first off, people get upset when they see people call them Social Security, Medicare entitlements, and that mm -hmm. does not make any sense. Drives me nuts. So <clears throat> says U.S. birth rates fell uh, from births. Let's see, uh, 3.65 births per woman in 1965 to 1.8 in 2016, and life expectancy rose from 68 in 1950 to 79 today. Together, this meant ever more retirees relative to the workers supporting them. By 2017, 100 workers were supporting 25 retirees. It used to be something like 100 workers were supporting three retirees. So it keeps the ratio keeps getting worse and worse. Uh, 
It says these shifting demographics have shredded the solvency of the trust funds. Social Security is estimated to run out of reserves in 2034, after which benefits would have to be reduced by about 25% to keep spending within available annual revenue. Over 75 years, Social Security has an unfunded liability of $13.9 trillion U.S. This is only going to now, get worse. Well, let me stop you there. <clears throat> yeah. Explain what an unfunded liability is, because that sounds kind of like a complicated word um, um, or a compli complicated combination of words. And so what is an unfunded liability? Um, Charlie, I promise you um i'm gonna make a contract with you right now that says that i'm going to give you ten thousand dollars a year for the rest of your life okay okay i don't have any money by the way oh yeah so now i have so, an unfunded liability so i'm 31 and if i live to be 79 which is the life yeah. expectancy right now uh then that is Forty-eight years. So yeah. you're going to owe me four hundred eighty thousand dollars. Yeah, but I don't have any money. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. So now I have an unfunded liability of four hundred eighty thousand dollars because you've promised me. Yeah. That that's what I'm going to get. Yeah. And you don't have any money, yeah. so it's unfunded. Yes. And so that's uh, <laughs> that's what we have for Social Security well, I want you, right now. I just want people to think about what are your liabilities, like for yeah. instance, your car note, right? Yeah, you have you are liable um, to the bank for your car note. You're liable to the mortgage company for your house note or whatever. If you don't pay it, they'll come and take it. Right. Those are what liabilities are. Um, if it's if it's an unfunded liability, then that means that you don't have any money. You can't pay that note. And so what happens in the real world is those things get taken from you. In this world, what we do is we just keep printing money. It's, we're just going to try to somehow through sheer tyranny of magic, <laughs> just, you know, well, we got a printing press. We'll just keep making money yeah. to pay for these unfunded liabilities. So I just want people to, to, to note what an unfunded liability is. Yeah. And so in 75 years, if we are, if we don't have $13.9 trillion, which if <clears> you don't know how big a trillion is, you need to understand how big that number is. Um, that's basically $1,390 billion. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's more than that. Yeah, it's, it's a 13. 13,900 yeah. billion dollars. That's a lot of billion. See, even I yeah. got it wrong. <laughs> That's I'm, how hard. Trillion's a big number. 13,900 billion. Yeah. As now, a, keep in mind, Jeff Bezos is worth an estimated 100, about 100 billion. As a reference billion. point in inches, 1 million inches was probably going to get you to the town that you live in. And 1 trillion inches is going to get you to the moon and back 33 times. That's how much bigger a trillion is. Times. Yeah. Um, okay, so the article goes on. This is only going to get worse. According to Census Bureau projections, by 2030, each 100 working-age Americans will be supporting 35 retirees. It was It's 25 right now. And this could rise to 42 by 2060. Another way to think of this is to calculate the number of retirees each worker must support. In 1946, the burden of one retiree was shared between 42 workers. So 42 workers were paying into a system to support one person. Today, according to the uh, SSA, Social Security Administration, roughly three workers 
cover each retiree's Social Security and Medicare benefits. Remember, now we went from 42 workers supporting one person to now it's three workers supporting one person. By 2030, however, there will only be two workers supporting each retiree. In other words, a working couple will have to support not only themselves and their family, but also someone else outside of their family, thanks to Social Security and Medicare. And not only this, but think about Social Security and Medicare benefits suck. Yeah. They absolutely blow. <laughs> the average, what's the average monthly income of somebody on Social Security? I think it's like $1,200 $1, $1, a month or $1,600 yeah. a month. Yeah. And then Medicare, I mean, even my dad is d disabled and on Medicare, hopefully he doesn't care me sharing the story. He still runs out of his, uh, his Medicare uh, Part D, which is a prescription allocation to where he has to pay a lot of money for the insulin that he needs. Yeah. So he runs out of that and still has to pay out of pocket. So the benefits absolutely suck. Now, again, that's a whole other, you know, healthcare conversation that we can have again. Um, but the benefits are, are terrible. I mean, living off of, you can't live in Nashville on $1,200 a month. My rent <clears throat> currently is more than $1,200 a month. Yeah. And yeah. I don't live in a fancy house. The two bedroom apartment that my wife and I have was 1300 a month. And we live in the cheapest town in Nashville. It's, around Nashville. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So well, I don't even know how these people live. Here's kind of a fix, I guess, if you want to talk about a fix. To make Social Security solvent again, the payroll tax rate would need to be hiked immediately from 12.4% to 15.2%. Or Social Security benefits would need to be cut on a permanent basis by about 17%. So, or Social Security, Medicare, to stay as they are, the payroll tax rate may have to rise to 25% of wages over the next decade. And the payroll tax of 40% is not unlikely by the middle of the 21st century. So the point is, we keep promising people that we're going to pay them money. Now, if you're getting Social Security, you need to realize that the money you put into it is gone. It immediately went to someone else while you were paying into it. You were supporting someone else who was retired at that time. Mm -hmm. And now you're to this point, and people need to be supporting you. The issue that we have now is we have so many people that are going into the Social Security retirement age versus the amount of people that are working that now there's not enough people supporting each retiree. So they're going to have to raise the payroll taxes on every, that's your FICA taxes. That's your, right now you get a, what, 6.2% comes out of your, uh, comes out of your paycheck. And then your uh, employer also pays another 6.2% on top of whatever they're paying you. Um, they're going to have to raise that. They're saying here to 25%. So 12%, 12% just to keep, the benefits where they're at right now. It's going to have to double. Yeah. Well, and think about this back in the day when they first started this, the life expectancy was 68. Yeah. And you get your social security benefits at 65. Yeah. So they expected you to live three years. Yeah. Well, now the life expectancy is 79. That's going to keep increasing as technology keeps advancing. And so now you're looking at, you know, instead of three years of supporting people, it's 14 years now, and it's just going to keep going up unless they move the, the social security benefit age up. Well, that's in, so that 68, uh, life expectancy is from 1950 and the actual time when they started social security itself, 
the life expectancy was in the high in the high fifties, like fifty eight years is what you would live. That was the average life expectancy. So they didn't even expect you to so get social security. Social security was literally for almost no one. It was for the people who were lucky enough to live well past the average life expectancy. It was never made to be a retirement that you could live 20 years off of. That was never the idea. So if you wanted Social Security on the original idea that it was passed under, if you wanted to make that equal right now, then you would not be eligible for Social Security until you're about um, 84, 85 years old. Then you could get Social Security. Mm. That, that would actually equal what the original intent of Social Security was when they passed it. Um, so, and at that time you worked until you died basically. And so this was for the people who got too old and couldn't work. And now people expect that they're going to retire and live for 20 years without working off of this money that they paid in social security that already got spent on someone else. And Nate's done the math for y'all. If, if you were to take that 6.2% that you paid into social security yeah, and you put it in the market, you would have over your span of working, you would have almost a million dollars. Yeah, you'd have right at a million. If that money would have been going into a private retirement account and it compounded in interest over the time that you were working, you would have about a million dollars. You could live $50,000 a year as long as you kept the rest of it invested and it kept growing also on the side. You could live off of $50,000 a year for like 25 years or so. Which if, let's say it's current life expectancy, so 14 years. If you needed to survive for 14 years, more years yeah you could pay yourself like 75 80 grand yeah. a year but instead and, now you're gonna get like thirteen thousand a year, right something like that <laughs> that's it yeah instead of 80 uh, 80 sounds better i like 80 more yeah yeah and that's, that's all with only 6.2 if you would if you were able to control that money yourself instead of the government controlling it for you Oh, wow, what a wonderful world we would have. <laughs> I've got a good uh, libertarian conversation here for you real quick that I, well, I queued it, up. I just want to say it pisses me off that we just think that government's so much better at managing our money for us than we are. I know. Like, who decided that these omnipotent government bureaucrats are way better at life than we are? They're just people. Yeah. And so we should... We should get rid of all of this, honestly. And what, it just needs to go the hell away. What you should always remember is that even if you do like the people that are in office right now, like as someone who is my age, I'm 32, as someone who is my age, what I'm saying by continuing to vote for things like this is that some random person, whoever the heck they are 30 years from now, is going to do a better job managing money than I am. And I have no idea who that person is whatsoever. I don't know what political party they affiliate with. I don't know what their what their life goals are, what their principles are whatsoever. But I am making the bet that 30 years from now, there's going to be some random person holding the political office, uh, office in the government that is going to be better with my money than I am. And that, that's, that's what you're saying at that point in time. I have a couple things here. Um, I have the, this Comcast story, and then I have this helicopter story. Do you want to? I don't know how much time you have today, Charles. Uh, we have about ten or so minutes. Okay, left. well, let's do the helicopter then. So this is a good libertarian discussion here. So this is a uh, see. This is from the Denver uh, local CBS station. It says uh, Jeffco resident flies for uh, fights for helicopter fights from his home. Flights from his home. Helicopter fights. They fights went, and flights. The helicopters just, they fight each other in the backyard, <laughs> I guess. No wonder he's fighting. Let me try that again. Jeffco resident 
fights for helicopter flights from his home. <laughs> you guys try and say that, okay? Don't act like you can just perfectly say that all the time. Okay, Jeffco so, resident yeah. <laughs> fights for helicopter flights from his home. All right, fine. Now right. you heard me do it a couple times. <laughs> Jefferson County, Colorado, a neighborhood dispute over a resident's comings and goings had to be decided in court. The answer to whether helicopters can land on private property is not clearly defined in Jefferson County zoning regulations. Jonathan Sawyer lives on several acres of unincorporated land in Jefferson County. He occasionally charters helicopters for trips to the airport. According to Sawyer, the trip is about double the cost of a rideshare service, but significantly faster and safer than driving. I will not agree with that whatsoever. <laughs> I hate flying. No way. No way. While while some neighbors don't mind the copter, others prefer the only bird in their backyard to be an animal. One neighbor <laughs> told CBS4, a residential area is simply not the place for aircraft and expressed concern over its impact on wildlife. The neighbors are 600 feet away and I don't even overfly them. I don't feel like that should say fly over them, but we'll see. It's less noise than if I had a Harley driving up and down the road, said Sawyer. Once a month, I'm landing a helicopter, and they didn't like it. If Jefferson County residents have concerns about whether activity on a neighbor's property follows zoning rules, they can file a complaint. Sawyer couldn't find anything that prohibited him from landing and taking off in a helicopter from his private property. Sawyer was disappointed to learn that no mention in this case also means not permitted. Remember that this went to court and he's been denied the right to take the helicopter from his mm. property. Uh, because it's not mentioned, the county says it's forbidden and they get to choose whether or not to enforce it, explained Sawyer. According to the Jefferson County Zoning Resolution, if a use is not listed within the permitted uses of a zone district, then the use is not allowed. Helicopters are not mentioned. Fireplaces are not mentioned. Drones are not mentioned, explained Sawyer. If it's not specifically prohibited, it should be allowed. That's, That's America. This is exactly my point. Yeah, exactly. What else is not specific? Dishwashers? Yeah. <laughs> floors? Porches? Yeah. Gravel? <laughs> asphalt? Grass? Certain kinds of trees? Does the government really has to list every single thing that you can have That's on your permitted. private? If it's not listed Jesus as permitted, Christ. then it's prohibited. Of Latter-day Saints. So they're no longer giving you a list of things that you can't do because they're unsafe. They have to supply you with a, thing, a list of things that they're going to allow you to do. And if they didn't give you that list of things they're going to allow you to do, if it's not on that list, then you're not allowed to do it. How ridiculous is that? This is unbelievable. And yeah. Honestly, like <laughs> a part of me wishes that I lived here. Mm -hmm. You know, so I could go, I could go help this man. <laughs> and plus his, his, honestly, his neighbors are just jealous. They're like, they want a helicopter too. I bet if they had a helicopter flying in and out of there, they'd be, they'd be fine with it. Yeah. It just reminded me of kind of the libertarian discussion on, you know, private the, property, private property. Mm -hmm. You talk about the EPA also, but noise violations, you know, can someone, if you're making noise on your property, can, can someone else, uh, you know, make a complaint about that, which I think they can if you are um, uh, impeding their ability to operate on their property with your noise. But like this guy said, it's not even as loud as if he had a Harley going up and down the street. Those things are super loud, by the way. 
Um, so he said the the helicopter going on probably the back of his property. He's got a, got some acres there. Um, is not as loud as if he even just had a, a motorcycle going up and down. But they've just they've decided that it's loud once a month when he uses the helicopter to go to the airport. And uh, now they've decided that they can remove that right. Well, apparently he was never given the right specifically, so he doesn't have it. You know, your rights come from government, right, Charlie? Right. You only have the rights. You only have the rights that the government has listed out for you to have, apparently. That That is what this zoning board has decided, that if they did not list out this right for you, then you don't have it. Not only that, it's unincorporated land. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously the county makes county decisions, but it's like this isn't even technically supposed to be regulated land. Yeah. Like it's not it's not within city limits. You know, like when most places like there's city limits on like, you know, fireworks and stuff. But if you go out in the country, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, you have a lot more freedom. I guess it still falls under the purview of the county zoning board because it's in, you know, there's always some government over overpowering you at any point in time. Don't worry, they're there, they're there for you. So anyway, I now just how thought, do you know a lot of rich people, you know, they fly in and out in helicopter. Yeah. How do they how do they have I that? I guess they probably buy off the right people in the zoning board. Right. <laughs> More than likely. <laughs> probably. Yeah. And see, this is the problem with government. Yeah. I know. know. It's uh, it's not it's not the um it's not the people, it's it's the the rules and regulators. Yeah. The creators of this ridiculous mention and clause. You know, the the reason I wanted to bring this up today was because of that part. Because we talk all the time about the Constitution and rights and whether or not your rights come from government or whether or not you were born with rights just simply because you're a human being and you were given them by your creator, like the uh, Constitution says. Um, we talk about that a lot. And not so much that I want to fight for this guy's right to take a helicopter back and forth. It really doesn't have anything to do with this guy specifically. It's a good example of it. But it's the, it's the idea overall that they have to tell you what you can have the right to do. And if they didn't list that out, then you don't have the right to do it. And just like this guy said, uh, this is America. I'm sorry. I thought this was America. You know, that that's what... That's what he's saying. And he's right about that. Right. He's completely right about it. It's it's absolutely insane. And, yep. you know, in the great words of Donnie Baker, I don't even know where to begin. I'm so pales. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I feel like he should just keep flying his copter, man. He should. Just keep doing it. Like, what are you going to do? Arrest me? <laughs> and if you do, good. Then you just take it all the way up to the Supreme Court. Yep. They should do that. The highest courts in the land. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. And then maybe we can have the... You know, oligarchy of nine decide whether or not copter flying on private property is permissible. And and they should get to decide everything, right? That's because when the founding fathers created the rules for this government, what they wanted to make sure was that there was one branch of government that could completely overpower all the others. That's that's what they were fighting for, for sure. Um, So 
Thank you guys so much for listening to this and for watching live on Facebook and YouTube. We really appreciate that. Um, you guys are sharing the show. You're telling people about the show, and we can see that in the numbers every single day. Our listener audience is going up. Our number of followers, like I said, it's gone from 10,000 to 11,000 in the last like 10 days. So we we really appreciate you guys doing this. Just keep doing that. If you if you have a friend, if you have a friend that you think needs to hear some of this information, a family member you think needs to hear it, then go ahead and share it with them and say, hey, check this out. Just just be open-minded for one second here and check this out. And uh, if you guys do that, you'll help us grow this movement, which is us trying to restore liberty and the ideas of liberty for all the people so we can all have a better life. That's that's the whole goal. So go follow us on Instagram, which is at Good Morning Liberty. Follow us on Twitter, Good AM Liberty. Look us up on Facebook, which is Good Morning Liberty. And you can go to our website, BernieLies.com, if you want to read some great articles on politics and economics. If you guys are in the Nashville area, which I know several of our listeners are, we are speaking at MTSU tomorrow night. That's tomorrow night, Thursday, November 21st. We're speaking at MTSU in the student union building. Yep. So um, we have the event created on Facebook. Go check it out. I think we have um, several people signed up to go to that. So make sure you guys are um, there if you're in the Nashville listening area. We are going to be doing uh, basically capitalism versus socialism. Yep. That's exactly what we're going to say. We're going to tell you why um, capitalism is the actual moral system, even if people are selfish and greedy. Yeah. Especially if people are selfish and greedy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, And so you guys in the Nashville area, come check that out. MTSU, 7 p.m. Be there or be square (laughs) (laughs) oh how old are you (laughs) um the other thing you guys can do to help support this show is go to our shop and get you some liberty merchandise we've got some bernie lies mugs we got free ed snowden mugs we've got t-shirts we've got taxation is theft t-shirts we have tank tops which we're going to offer at a discount because now it's winter time and you need some tank tops for the next summer. Look at that um, mug. That is a mug. Look at that. That's, that's a mug so right good. there. What about um? What do we have hoodies? Uh, we do. Yeah. We have hoodies yeah. even for this cold winter brisk season. So go get yourself a Good Morning Liberty hoodie. All kinds of cool stuff on there. So if you guys do that. Leave us a rating and review. Five stars if you think the show is worth it. We're going to be back here again to do this tomorrow. I hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.